Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Marvin. Appreciate that. Uh, good to be here this morning. Good to see you here. Good to not have to water your lawn this morning. Amen. Right? Got to be something good that comes of that. Uh, didn't have to get up. I went to water the flowers and said, nope, don't think I have to do that this morning. Um, I will, uh, Pastor Marvin mentioned the app. Every time, uh, every time we mention the app, I will not fail to take the opportunity to ask you if you have downloaded the app, and many of you have and use it and get the updates, would you please do me a favor and upload a profile picture to the app for me and for our team. And because it does really help our team. I uh, literally every week go down the list of all the people who attend Mount Hope, just checking in and seeing that. And if you've downloaded the app, there's a wonderful picture of you right beside that. If you haven't, all I see is two initials, uh, your first and last name. Uh, and I'd rather see the picture than the uh, initials. And it's really helpful to our team, especially maybe when we bring on new members of our team who may not know everyone, um, to be able to see uh, the picture there. I will ask, and I've, I asked this last time, and all of you were really helpful in this, in, in paying attention to this and, and, uh, and doing what I said, in that when you upload a picture, please upload a picture of yourself. Uh, I know, I'm sure you've taken some wonderful vacations. I'm sure you've seen some cool stuff, but just please upload a picture of that. That would be really helpful. And I said that before, and everyone listened, and everyone paid it, almost everyone, everyone except my wife, <laughs> who the very next time I went down the list, I'm looking at all the pictures, looking at all the pictures, and I see Wendy Picarello and a picture of a giraffe head um, <laughs> beside it. And it is still in there to this day, the giraffe head. Um, so uh, please, upload a picture of yourself. I'd love to see that. Uh, but we're going to get into the Word this morning. We're in our series on 1 John, and I'm glad to be in this series with you as we look at what John has to say to some of the early Christians. John, at this point, if he's writing this letter in the first century, he's really what we would think of as a grandfather age. Maybe he's in his 80s, um, but he's definitely an elder statesman in the church, and he's writing to these younger, new Christians, and he's telling them some important things of how to live and what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're learning that together as we look at this book of First John. Last week, we looked at this idea that God is light. This week we're going to look at an idea about love, and it says God is love. I know we've got some kids in here, so I want to start off with a question for the kids. And anyone who is normally in Kids Adventure at this time, you are eligible to answer. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, though, because if you shout it out, I won't hear you. I'll ask you to raise your hand and call on you. And here's my question to you. Tell me something someone did for you that made you feel loved. All right, can someone tell me something someone did for you that made you feel loved? Yes, Brooke. My mom. Your mom makes you feel, is there anything particular that your mom does for you that makes you feel loved? Okay. All right, we'll just chalk up your mom. Your mom, I love that your mom makes you feel loved. Yes. When your sister does chores? Oh, wait. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I missed it. I missed it. What was it? 
Oh, when she helps you do the chore. What if she did them for you? That would be really loving, right? That would be, that would be, you would feel very loved if she did all, you would feel very loved if she did all your chores. All right, who else? Something, yes, over here, yes. What is something someone did for you that you felt loved? Oh, all right, Chris, what do you got? Your mom brings you to Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, that would make you feel loved. Yes, that, would, that is love. I didn't even know Chuck E. Cheese's are still open. I didn't know that. Yes, that would make you feel, yes. Snuggling. Snuggling, ah, you do feel loved. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to try and involve some of the kids throughout it. Those are all great. I think we do, when people do stuff for us, there's ways that we feel loved. And we're actually going to talk today about the importance of love and actions and what people do for us. I've got one more assignment for you kids, though. Here's something for you. i got a bag of Starbursts here. Who likes Starbursts? A lot of people like Starbursts. All right. Here's, here's how you can get a... Here's... I'm going to... I'm going to tell you how you can get a starburst right after this service. Ready? Here you go. I am going to, in the course of my message today, I'm going to talk about love. And at one point in the message, I'm going to give you the word love in another language. I'm going to give you another language's word for love. And if you'll pay attention and listen and get that word and come up to me after service and tell me what that word was, you can have a starburst, all right? Got it? All right, so listen close. Sorry, just, just kids are qualified. All right, we're going to get into the scripture. Here's what happens with John with love. And he's really talking very specifically about one aspect of love, and that is loving one another. We can talk about loving all people. We can talk about all kinds of aspects of love. But in this letter, John is really concerned about loving one another. And what that means actually is Christians loving other followers of Jesus. He's really concerned that in this church, this early church that's being formed, that the people would learn to love each other. I mean, think about it. They come from different economic backgrounds, they come from different, uh, different social situations, and they're coming together because they follow Jesus, and he wants them to learn to love each other. It's not unlike our group here this morning. I mean, if you think about it, very infrequently do you sit in a room with this diverse of people. I mean, this morning, you can see the diversity of ages we have. How often do you sit in a room? You don't do it at work. You don't sit in a room with little kids and adults, right? How often do you sit in a room with this diversity of ages? We have diversity of ethnicities and nationalities and all kinds of things. And John's concern is that this group of people that all come together because they follow Jesus, that they would learn to love one another. And so in his letter... He hits on this topic multiple times. And so he does what the commentators call amplification. And what it is is he writes on it, goes to another topic, comes back to it, goes to another topic, comes back to it. And so I want to read this morning, or I actually want other people to read, I want you to listen to three passages of Scripture that are all about loving one another. The first comes from 1 John chapter 2, 
And Pastor C.M. Titus is going to read that for us. Uh, many of you may not know Pastor Titus, but he's sitting right back there. He is J. Titus, who serves as an elder here at Mount Hope, J. Titus' father. And Pastor Titus served as a pastor at Tremont Temple in Boston for many years. He's since moved to Burlington, and they've been attending here for a while. And so Pastor C.M. is going to read the first passage from 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. The second passage comes from 1 John chapter 3, and for that, Asher Ferrand is going to read that for us, part of our kids' adventure ministry. And then the third part of our passage is going to be read by Rebecca Merzius, who is doing an internship with us at the church this summer, um, but is not your typical intern. Uh, she is doing an internship because she and her husband, Shadson, are getting ready to plant a church in the Boston area. Do you guys have a town that you've identified? Cambridge? All right, going to plant a church in Cambridge. And she, so this summer, she's kind of come alongside our team, even though she's uh, doing, she's doing a degree at Gordon-Conwell and at Liberty. She's working on her doctorate degree. And for some reason, she thinks she might have something to learn from us, too. Um, and so this summer, she's come alongside, and she's trying to learn what she can so that they can go and plant a church. And we will pray for you and pray God's blessing on you, because Boston needs more churches. And we need more good churches. So she's going to read a passage out of 1 John chapter 4, and that's verses 7 to 21. So, Pastor CM, if you get us started, 1 John chapter 2. Let me read to you from 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have heard since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and the sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. So claiming to walk in the light but not loving one another, John says you're still walking in darkness. Asher, would you read out of 1 John chapter 3? It's on. This is 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. For this message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. 
We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life resided in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ lied down his life for us, and we out to lie, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in that but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Asher. Great job. <clears throat> Rebecca is going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 4. Amen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of, for, sin, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not have, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen can for he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Appreciate that, Pastor CM and Asher and Rebecca. I know that was a lot in a short amount of time, but I think in all three of those passages, you heard it, how seriously God takes this idea of loving one another. In fact, in that passage that Rebecca just read in chapter 4, it says, if anyone says, I love God, so every Christian, every person that calls themselves a believer probably would say, I love God, and hates his brother. Now. Let me pause there for a second, because you see the word hate, and you go, not me. But John is all, almost always talking in extreme. He's always saying, look, is light or dark? You're in light or dark. You can't be in light and fool around in the dark. You've got to be one or the other. And he's doing the same thing with love. You're going to love one another, or you're not. And if you're not, 
He, he puts you in the hating camp. Like, like, if you don't love your brother, if you don't love your sister, you might as well be hating them. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But he says, look, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot, cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's pretty serious. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm afraid of or I'm suspicious of. I'm afraid that sometimes we take something as optional that God makes mandatory. You know, I think that sometimes we put loving one another in the category of heated seats in the car instead of the engine of the car. We think, well, I can choose it or not choose it. It's nice to have, but not necessary to have. And John very clearly in this passage is saying, no, that's not it. This is necessary. In fact, to the point he says, you can't call yourself a Christian. You can't call yourself a follower of Jesus if you don't have a love for other followers of Jesus. If that love's not in you, then you can't even call yourself a follower of Jesus. One of the things John does in this letter is he gives tests for how you know if you're actually a Christian. The first test was a doctrinal test. We talked about, do you believe Jesus was incarnate, fully God and fully man? You have to believe that to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. The second test was a moral test. Do you endeavor to walk in the light, to not in darkness? You have to do that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. Third test is a re relationship test. Do you love others who are walking in that same direction, endeavoring to follow Jesus? Because someone who loves God will love others who follow God. And so he says this is important. It's mandatory, not optional. It's something that uh, you couldn't call a car a car if it doesn't have an engine, if it doesn't have a motor, or if it doesn't have wheels. And John's saying, you can't call a person a Christian if you don't have a love for one another. And so this is important. I want to talk just for a few minutes this morning about uh, two questions that actually Kathy used in her looking at communion, and that's why and what. Why is this so important, and what does it look like? Each of those questions I'm going to give a quick two-part answer to, and I'm going to be brief. Here we go. Here's the first one. The first question is, why is it so important that Christians love each other? Why is it so important that we love one another? And the first reason is this. We love others because God first loved us. Chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. In other words, God is not asking you to give something that you have not already received. God always, if he asks you to forgive, it's because he has already forgiven you. And when he asks you to love, it's because he has given love to you. And if you have received love, God wants you to give it. Let me illustrate this for you. I need uh, two of our kids who are usually in kids' adventure. I need two volunteers. Raise your hand. I need two. I got one hand way in the back there already that went up quick. Will you come up? Will you come up? I need you to come up if you're going to, will you come up? All right. I need one more volunteer. I've got a hand over here. Come on over. Is that Anthony? I think I see you. Come on over. Come on up. Come on up, Tweety. Come on up. Uh, it'll be quick. Here we go. Give them a hand so they come up here. All right. All right. All right. Come on. Here you go. It's, I know it's a lot up here, right? All right. What's your name? Zafreen. Zafreen. All right. And your name? 
Anthony. Okay, Anthony. Great. How old are you? Nine. All right. Is that free? How old are you? Six. Six. All right, Anthony, what do you do for work? <laughs> no, no, nothing? Nothing? Okay. All right. All right, Anthony, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Zafri, here's what I want you to do. Anthony, I want you to give Zafri $5. Would you do that for me? I don't have $5. You, you, you can, you, this is the illustration. I need you to give her $5. Can you give her $5? No. no. Ah, all right, here we go. Here's $10. Here's two $5 bills. Now can you give Zafri $5? Yes. You can take it. There you go. All right. Once I gave you $10 or $5, you could give us a free $5, right? And here's the scripture that says, God first gave to you what he now wants you to give to others. God first loved you and now calls you to love others. Would you give them a hand? Thanks, guys, for your help. You can keep the $5. You can keep it. No, it's yours, man. Thanks for helping. It was well worth the illustration. <laughs> But that's the, that's, the, that's the point John's saying. Look, you first received love, and now you're called to give love to one another. And so the first reason why we love is because God first loved us. And I'll just, for a second, pause on that word first. I think that's important. God didn't wait for us to love him to love us. And so when you love one another, go first. You don't have to sit and wait. Well, then they love me, I'll love them. No, God went first. You go first. Second reason, it's God's way of tangibly showing his love to people in the world today. One of the reasons why we love one another is because when we love one another, it brings the invisible love of God and makes it visible in the world around us. Uh, 4.12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So suddenly when we love one another, the world can see the invisible love of God. And quite honestly, if we don't love one another, the world on the outside has a right to say, how can you say you serve a God who loves? You don't even love each other. All you do is fight with each other. You don't care for each other. But when you have a tangible love for one another, it shows and is representative of the love that God has as well. Last week, if you were here, uh, Rose Marie Rocca shared her story about coming to God. And one of the things was she said she was invited to a barbecue. And the thing at that barbecue was the way that these people loved each other drew her to say, I want that kind of love. I want that kind of love. I want, I want to know what it, where does that kind of love come from? And when you and I love each other, we tangibly bring the love of God into the world. So why are we called to love? We're called to love because God first loved us, and we're also called to love because it tangibly brings God's world into the world, love into the world. Okay, what, is it, what does it look like? What, is, what does this kind of love look like? Two answers to that one, too. And the first thing is this. The love of God looks like this. We love others in the sacrificial way that God loved us. In the sacrificial way that God loved us. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Now, if I were writing this letter, here's how I would finish this sentence. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for him. That's how I would finish the sentence. 
That's not what the verse says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, I think is implied in there, for each other in the body of Christ. That's how, that's how you know what love is, that we would lay our lives. This is how we are called to love. It's not a love that is uh, easy or maybe a love that's just I do in my spare time. It's what uh, the Greek word that John uses here for love is agape. The Greeks had several words they could use for love. They had a word storge for like family love, those you're blood related to. They had a word phileo for brotherly love, those you love who you're not necessarily blood related to. They had eros, which was like husband and wife, physical, intimate love. But then they had agape, unconditional, self-emptying, personal cost, the very best and the very highest love. And when John chooses a word for love, he chooses agape in this passage. And he says, not only has God agaped you, you're supposed to agape one another. You're called to love one another in this way. And so here's my question for you and for me today is, are you loving down to the world's standards or up to Jesus's standards? Because when we love one another, are we loving enough so that people will look at you and say, well, you did what you could? Are you loving one another in the church enough to say, well, hey, you did more than most people would. Hey, you did, you, you know, you, you did all you could. What else can you do? Because I think that's the world's standards of love. Just enough so that we don't look bad. Enough so that maybe even we look pretty good in people's eyes by the care that we show for one another. But that's not the love that John calls us to. John and, this, and the Lord calls us to a love that is like Jesus' love, that is sacrificial. And so when the question is asked, well, hey, who could ask you to do more than you did? Uh, the answer is Jesus. That Jesus could ask you to do more than you did. <laughs> Jesus could come and say, no, no, I want you to love the way I loved you. I want you to love sacrificially. I want you to give of yourself. I want you to empty yourself. So often I think we just love so we just give to others enough so that we just look good in other people's eyes. It's like going through the checkout counter and saying, well, do you want to give a dollar to this charity? Yeah, we'll put your name up on the wall here. We'll write it on a shamrock and put it on the wall or whatever time of the year it is. Do you want to give a dollar for this? And, and many, maybe you say, I don't know what you say. Maybe you say no or maybe you say yes, but why would you say yes? Well, I don't want the checkout person to think I don't care about whatever cause it is. Yeah, I'll give a dollar. But if we really cared, when's the last time you said, no, I don't want to give a dollar. Put me down for a hundred. Can I do that? Put me down for a thousand. Because it's really not about do we care about this cause. It's really about am I going to look good in this person's eyes or look bad in this person's eyes. Are we loving down to the world's standards or up to Jesus' standard? John calls us to an agape love, which is a big commitment and a big love. Second, 
What does it look like? John very practically points out in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. We love by seeing and acting when we have the ability to do so. We love, by, we love one another by seeing and acting when we have the ability to do so. Here's what chapter 3, verse 17 says that Asher read for us. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Closes' heart has a very literal picture with it. Here's the picture. Shutting a door and locking it. It's basically John saying, whoever has the ability and sees the need but shuts the door in his brother or sister's face, how can you say you love God? And that's the picture, like someone, like a, like a brother or a sister in, in the church comes to your door and they don't have a place to go and it's storming and it's raining out and it's pouring and you can see the lightning behind them and they're at your front door and you see your warm house behind you and the, and the yellow warm light behind you and they're just telling, I have no place to go and you say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. I hope you find something. God bless you. Have a good night. And you shut and lock the door in their face. That's the picture. And you say, I would never do that. John's saying, when you have the ability to help one another, and you see that someone needs help, and you don't help, that's what it's like you're doing. You're closing your heart. You're slamming the door in them. You're, and you say that you love God, but you don't love one another. One commentator uh, put it this way. Uh, he said, loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. And I wonder if as Christians sometimes we live that way. Oh, yeah, I love, I, I, don't, I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. Loving everybody in general is sometimes an excuse for loving nobody in particular. God has called us to love very practically, very tangibly. He said, when you have the ability to do it, you should do it when you see a need. Because if the love of God dwells in you, then you ought to love one another. Why don't we do this? Maybe this fear that lives within us, maybe there's things we're afraid of, I love that John includes a verse here in 418 that talks about fear, and he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Is there any fear that keeps you from loving the way that God has called you to love? Maybe you fear, well, there won't be enough for me. John has already put a limiting factor in here. Whoever has the world's goods. In other words, whoever has ability to do so. John's not saying give so that you put yourself in a place of need and you are then not able to provide for yourself. But he's saying when you have the world's gifts, when you have ability, you've been given it so that you might show love to others. But here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid we define ability different than God defines it. I think sometimes we define ability like this. When all my wants are met, 
Whatever's left over is my ability to help someone else. And I think maybe God defines it a little more. Once all your needs are met, whatever's left over is your ability to help someone else. It's a limiting factor. God's not asking you to say, hey, I'm going to give so much. Now, he may at times say, I want you to give above and beyond, even to the point that you might put yourself in need. He may have a time. I'm not going to say God can't ask that of you. But I'm saying as a rule, I think God says, look, your needs are met. You've got beyond that. How can you show love to others? The reality that we can't help everyone sometimes keeps us from helping anyone. And maybe you're afraid, oh, I can't help everyone. Nope, God didn't help you, call you to help everyone. We follow the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. You, you don't have to save everyone. But I think sometimes the reality that we can't help everyone keeps us, I wonder, from helping anyone. Someone's going to, I'm afraid someone's going to take advantage of me. Someone probably will. If you live like this, if you live with an open heart to love, at some point you'll probably end up giving to someone who is just trying to take advantage of you. But that's on them, not you. That's between them and the Lord, not you. If you give out of love and the honesty of your heart, trusting, that's on, that's on them, not you. We have that at the church at times. I got a call a few weeks ago from someone. It was a strange one. I mean, we'll get calls for people who, you know, want things, needs. We have a benevolence fund set up. We'll help out whenever we can. And I'm blessed for our benevolence ministry that does that. But this was probably one of the strangest calls. She said she was in Ohio. And she said she was trying to get back to Burlington where she was from. And, but she had no place to stay in Ohio, her and her child, and she needed someone to pay for a hotel, and she'd been calling hotels around, uh, she'd been calling churches around Ohio, and nobody would help, and so I thought I'd start calling churches in Burlington, and can you just pay for a hotel room? And I thought, well, I don't want someone staying outside. You know, you, you listen to us, it's hard when you're in that situation. But I just, in that, in that moment, I thought, well, I'm going to have one question. My one question was, well, yeah, okay, well, what street did you grow up in in Burlington? And then the phone went dead, and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was probably someone who was in real need, and I don't get, but, you know, you use discernment at times. There are other times we get people who come and ask us for things, and they're local, and I say, well, you know, maybe they're telling the truth, maybe they're, I'm not sure, but I think the Lord wants us to help in this case. You'll have to use discernment. Yeah, you make it, but if you live your life deciding that I am never going to get someone, you know, get it over on me, you may end up holding things a little too tightly because there's no fear in love. Perfect love of God that you live in casts out that fear, right? Now, here, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying every person on TV that tells you to give money to them that you're supposed to give money to. Please don't hear that. Because here's who Paul was, here's who John was writing to. He was writing to a group of Christians that worshiped together, that knew each other, that looked each other in the eye every week, that took communion together, 
This is a group of people that knew and loved each other. I am not telling you every time someone gets on the TV and says, you as a Christian have to give to this cause that you're supposed to write a check. Please don't hear that. Please don't even do that unless God is calling you to give to a particular situation and cause. John is talking about, look, you've got people, you sit in the same room. You, you sit around and have meals with them. And you see that they have needs. And you have the ability to help them. If you don't, you need to question whether God's love actually lives within you. Because God has given you things to help those who are around you in that love. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come back as we prepare to just kind of close out and think about responding. Just some practical things on how do we do this? How do we love one another? I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I love that piece of advice because you can't do it for everyone. But don't let that keep you from doing it for one. Don't let that keep you from thinking you can't make a difference for someone. Don't let that rob you of the joy of giving and helping someone just because you can't do it for everyone. Practically, very practically also, in our world where material goods have a tendency to have a tight grip on us, do what you think you can and then do a little bit more. Because you can probably give a little bit more. Because our goods get such a grip on us that I think we probably don't realize. We don't trust the Lord enough. We don't have faith enough to believe what God might want to do through us. Practically create margin in your schedule and in your budget. I can't give. I don't have any money left. Well, where did you commit it to already? Maybe there's some margin that God would have you create. I don't have time to help that person. Is everything that you're doing is something God called you to do? Maybe there's margin in your schedule. Now look, don't just hear me chastising you because here's, as I thought about this this week, I thought, yeah, there's more we can do to love one another. But I also thought, I can think of people and situations and conversations where I know the love of God is happening among this church. Where I know people are loving each other. Where I know people are, where I hear, oh yeah, I, I took this person out and, 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 and we got this for this person. And, and, and it's happening. And I would much rather have it happen and not hear about it than have uh, just programs that we get credit for as a church. I would rather it be a love that happens among us. That's really what God has called us to, to love one another in that way. Listen to love, not just to listen, not just to gain information. When someone's sharing their story with you, listen for an opportunity to love, not just to gain information and say, keep warm, God bless you, hope it all works out. Call the love people in the church. You are too. We need this love for one another. Chapter 3, verse 13 said, don't be surprised when the world hates you. It's hard being a Christian in a world 
that doesn't follow Jesus. You know what's even harder? <laughs> Being a Christian in a church that doesn't love each other. The love for one another is supposed to be that sanctuary, that harbor. It's supposed to be that place where we say, yeah, it's difficult out there Monday to Saturday, <laughs> but I'm sure glad we have a church. I'm sure glad there's people that love me and care about me. Watch out for me. Our visible love for followers of God is evidence of our love for the invisible God that we follow. That's what John's saying. Our visible love for followers of God is evidence of our love for the invisible God we follow. So as we respond to this word, as we close, let me just caution you against this. Here's the easy thing to do. The easy thing is to hear this word and apply it to someone else. I hope so-and-so is listening to this because they have not loved me. Right? The easy thing is to listen to this word and think about all the places where I have not been loved. That's not what John's talking about here. John didn't say, all you that have not loved, you go and judge the other Christians in churches and you tell. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, look at yourself and ask, have I loved others in the body of Christ the way God has called me to love them? Have I loved others? If you're sitting here and you say, yeah, there's, there's times where I haven't been loved, then you know what that feels like. So all the more to say, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be the person that loves the way that God loves me. I want to live that out in my life because ultimately you're not going to be responsible for how someone loved you. You will stand before God and answer for how you loved others. So as the team leads us in this song, here's two things to consider. What's one thing you can do this week to show love to another person in the body of Christ? What have you seen and that God has given you the world's goods to address? What have you seen and you have the ability to dress? You know the single mom or the single dad, the person who's out of work, or the person that's struggling with a health issue or a loved one with a health issue, and, or I don't know. You talk to people. Don't listen just to listen. Listen for how to love. What's one thing you can do this week to love someone in the body? You can't do it for everyone, but don't let that keep you from doing it for anyone. Secondly, this, is there anyone you have failed to love that you should have? That you need to confess to God and repent of, and you need to make right with them? Is there any place where you say, you hear this word and you know that God is convicting you? I had an opportunity to love then, and I just didn't do it. I closed the door, and you need to make that right. Now, I caution the first serviceness, and I'll say this here too. If they don't know that you didn't show love to them, don't go bringing it up to them. Like, they might be having a great day, and you're like, you thought I liked you, but I really didn't like you. 
Like, don't root, but it, just go and make it right. You know what? I, I, I'd like to give this to you. I'd like to, you know, you shared with me that. I'd like to, I'd like to help out where I can. You don't have to go back and say, well, I should have done it here, but I didn't really like you. But now I'm convicted and don't do that. You're going to make them feel worse just so you can feel better. That's not what it's about. But if there's a place where you didn't love and you should have, go and make that right. Go and, go and, go and give. Go and love. Go and show the love of God to one another. God has called us to love us, love others as he has loved us. Let's pray and we'll sing the song and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for loving us first. First. Before we loved you and whether or not we would ever love you, you loved us and you showed your love to us and you gave your love to us. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the loving actions that took place this week that some of them I've heard about, most of them I haven't, and most of us in this room haven't, of the way your church has loved each other. But Lord, help us. Help us to agape one another. To love not as the world loves, but as you have loved us. That we might be a church that even the world might look at us and say, I may not believe what they believe, but they sure love and know how to love one another. Us to be that kind of body of Christ. So even now as we sing this song, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us of ways that we can love one another this week, places we may need to repent of where we've fallen short. Lead us in Jesus' name.